Hello, Podites. It's Andy here, the Analytical Preacher, with a very common question for this podcast, which is simply this. If God is perfect and God is good and God is love and God is capable of doing whatever he wants, whenever he wants, however he wants, then why is there so much evil in the world? Why is there suffering? Why does God's creation appear to be so cursed? Excellent question. Here's the truth. I think most of us sort of know the answer to that question. We don't particularly like it, and so I think we kind of try to work around it. So let me just kind of address why we see the evil and the suffering in the world and um, why maybe we have a hard time sort of accepting that the the answer to that. As we know, in the first couple of chapters of the Bible, Genesis 1 and 2, it describes a perfect creation. And God had an intimate relationship with humans and humans, the two of them, had a perfect relationship with one another. And essentially, there was perfect harmony and nearly indestructible humans made in God's image. A part of that relationship that God created with Adam and Eve involved the idea of trust. Most relationships involve the idea of trust. Think about a relationship with a spouse or a significant other. There has to be some measure of trust. And most folks will say, oh, the two key things to a successful relationship are trust and communication. Really, even for authority figures to um, earn authority, for for your kids to want to obey you or for you to want to follow the government's rules, there really needs to be not just a measure of this is the punishment if you don't follow the rules, but there needs to be some measure of trust between the person being asked to follow the rules and those who are establishing the rules. It makes things go so much easier. Every teenager, of course, knows hitting a certain age doesn't automatically mean you get less uh, restrictions and more freedom in the use of the car, but almost every teen knows there's some degree to which they have to earn trust in order to get there, etc. And so all of our relationship with God, we, we sometimes talk about faith. Well, we often talk about faith in the New Testament, especially. Faith is sort of like trust. So God said, here I am. I want you to be dependent on me. I'm making this earth and I'm, and I'm putting you there as my own site managers. Now fill it up and reflect my glory everywhere, but I still need you to have this dependence on me and I need you to trust me. And so I'm really going to only ask one thing. There's a tree over there. It's kind of important and it's attractive, but I'm telling you, don't eat that fruit. And if you do, bad things will happen. Now, trust me. And when your natural instincts tell you this seems like a good idea, say, no, I trust God that it won't be a good idea. Of course, humans, we know. Um, and we don't really blame Adam and Eve per se because we know we would have all ultimately made that same decision. Humans decided we want to take that control back from God. We trust him, but we kind of think we should be able to set our own moral compass. If there's aspects or attributes about God that maybe we could 
sort of assume for ourselves we wouldn't mind doing that and then we could make better decisions not always have to trust on God there's a thousand ways to rationalize it but God says I asked you to trust me you essentially didn't trust me I warned you bad things were coming and so when we get to Genesis 3 about halfway through around verse 16 and going kind of through the end of Genesis 3 God lays out these curses the the relationship with him got cursed the relationship between men and women got cursed the ground and all of natural, biological, chemical creation got cursed, etc. And we're told that those curses don't really go away. They don't end until God recreates what's called a new heaven and a new earth. The prophet Isaiah spoke about it in very vague terms. Um, and then the apostle John really hits on it at the very end. So the first two chapters of Genesis talk about a perfect creation The last two chapters of the Bible, Revelation 21 and 22, also speak about. And in in Revelation 21, we read things like, um, God will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death will be no more. There's no mourning. There's no crying. Nobody's in pain because all these former things, all these things that were cursed by man's sin have gone away. In Revelation 22, it just says, No longer will there be anything accursed. So I honestly believe that most of us do understand why there's bad in the world. God created it perfect and said, let's leave it perfect. Your relationship with each other, the physical world, and your relationship with me, your creator, let's leave all of those things perfect. But humans chose to take a little trust away from God a little to to diminish our trust in God by putting that reliance on ourselves. Uh, And so as sinful people, we're to blame. Here's the problem with that. No one wants to take blame. And especially when we see some of the horrible things that happen, physical things like tornadoes and hurricanes and floods and tsunamis, we're like, whoa, 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 we're not doing those things. And those things are horrible and they hurt innocent people, they hurt children and et cetera. We don't want to take the blame for that. The truth is, in the garden, in the world God originally designed, in the world that God will recreate, there are no tornadoes and earthquakes and tsunamis. Our sin is to blame for those things, and we don't like that. And here's the other thing. Humans really don't like it. It's why we wanted the forbidden fruit to begin with. Humans don't like when we're not in control of something, when we can't fix it or master it. And so I think that's a big problem. We complain, why would God do this? And God must not really be a real God. And he must not be a good God if these things happen. And what we're really saying is this is our fault and it's bad. And the fact that we can't fix it makes us really want to rebel against it. But you know, here's here's the honest truth. I think folks say, so then why did God allow us to even make that decision? If he knew things would be this bad, why did God allow us to make that decision? And I think the answer is pretty simple, because that's the way that humans wanted it. So we know, uh, just take a, kind of a silly example. We know that most folks will date four, five, six people before they finally get married Um, at least two of those, for some folks, maybe three, a couple of those relationships will be very serious relationships before they get married. And every one of those relationships that doesn't end in a permanent marriage ends up causing heartbreak and emotional pain for one or both 
of the partners. Even those who get married, the last stats that I saw out there say roughly 50% of the folks who do get married end up becoming uh, separated. They end up becoming divorced. And there's tremendous emotional pain and heartbreak for both individuals and any children involved um, in the marriage. And sometimes even for marriages that stay together, there's still tremendous emotional pain involved throughout the marriage. So suppose the government were to come in and say, because humans don't seem to be able to do relationships well, we're forbidding all romantic relationships. Immediately, everyone, even those who weren't interested in a romantic relationship, even those who had no interest in ever getting married, we would all immediately say, no dice. I don't need a paternalistic government telling me what I can and can't do. The government's going, no, 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 but I'm only doing this to help you. The odds say every single one of you at some point will end up at least heartbroken if not financially strapped or physically abused or some other thing. And so we're actually doing you a favor by not allowing you the freedom to choose. And humans would say, not fair. So if God had programmed us as robots to walk by that forbidden fruit, to walk by that tree of knowledge of good and evil and never have the desire to partake, we would have rebelled against that. Why would a God who claims that he loves us, why would a God who knows that trust is so critical to a relationship not allow us to even choose that option. If I want to date, if I want to get married, I know the odds are against me. I know there may be pain involved, but my freedom to make the choice is the most important thing to me. And if we're honest with ourselves, that's exactly what humans would say to the government. And that's exactly what we would say to God had God gone with a different route. God says, I love you so much. I will give you what you seek. I will give you the freedom to make your own choice. We made that choice. We don't like the consequences of that choice. So now we're looking around going, hey, best friend, why didn't you tell me this person was going to end up being horrible for me in a relationship? Hey, mom and dad, why did you let me start dating when I was 17 years old and not lock me in the basement until I was 30 and smart enough to make choices about my relationships? We try to say that, but I think the truth is this. God gave us what we wanted, our freedom to make a choice. We didn't trust him enough, and now we pay for it. We can't fix it immediately. We can't fix it on our own. And so we complain and point fingers back at God. But this is how I would say uh, God expects us or intends us to read this issue. We can see clearly what human sin has done to the world. We can see what happens when we don't trust God. And we can all look back at Genesis 1 and 2. We can all look forward to Revelation 21 and 22 and say, oh yeah, when we just let God be in total control, God controls the moral compass. God gets to pick right from wrong. God is the decider of good versus evil. When we see when God had that total control, and our total trust was in him, things were so much better. And so what I think God wants us to say is, every time we see pain and evil and suffering in the world, we're to say, I hate sin, and I hate the curse of sin. And I'm so thankful that Christ came to redeem his creation, and it needs to start with me. I'll surrender my life to the lordship of Jesus Christ, 
and pray as the Apostle John does in Revelation, come Lord Jesus, come.